Well, hello and welcome to episode number 401 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. In this week's show, we take a look at the aviation news from the Ukraine. British Airways has a meltdown and it's not of its old aircraft. And we take a look at Crufts 2022, but in an aviation way, no dogs involved. In the military, we look at the situation in Ukraine, pay respect to Colonel Grey Wolf Okonshenko, and we get confirmation that the world's heaviest aircraft has indeed been destroyed. So joining me this week, back in the PTUK Master Suite Studios, and he's plugged everything back in, hopefully. It's Matt Smith. Yeah, he's plugged everything back in, but if you were watching the live YouTube stream, you'll realise that I've forgotten how it all <laughs> I've forgotten how it all works. Honestly, can't get the staff, it's terrible. <laughs> so um I'm I'm guessing it was a quite a, a hideous task on uh, Sunday getting everything back into the studio again, Matt. Well I have to say I was very sensible and I actually I'd actually taken the Monday off, so I, I sort of slowly started putting the studio back together after over a couple of days, which was uh, uh, the sensible way to do it, I think really. So it was uh, it was it was <laughs> Yeah, it did, did, did everything good. go back okay? Yeah, I haven't had. I genuinely, I haven't had any problems at yeah, all. Everything's all, all fired up straight away. Um, yeah, a little bit of user trouble, but uh, like uh, this evening. But we'll gloss over that and move on. <laughs> I'm guessing it's easy now that with the the new build studio that everything goes in a bit easier. Yeah, absolutely. Well, stuff is stuff yeah. is off the floor and cables are out of the way and all yeah. that kind of thing. All we need is a nice little curtain, and nobody'd ever see the cat's blind. I know. Goodness, I know that is, that is yeah. on my to do list. Trust yeah. me. Yeah, I have to say. Though uh, Nev would still have a, a hissy fit if he took one look at me underneath the desk, shall we say? And joining us uh, from across the fields and the rivers and the lakes in the UK here over in Buckinghamshire we. is, of course, Neville Bounds. Yes, hello. Great to be back again and superb to meet everybody last weekend. It was so nice to see people that we had seen before but also some new folks that we hadn't seen before and i really enjoyed mm. that <laughs> and uh sorry about my voice tonight i think i've been doing too much talking uh last weekend so that's a bit, be bit, all that, a bit raspy. all that hot air that we were expecting i think so yes <laughs> probably, but, uh, nonetheless great to be on the show today uh, and i agree with you nev it was so good to see everyone back again have all the family back together mm. It uh, does make a big boost to all our morale, I think, yeah, for sure. absolutely. And uh, joining us as well in his remote studio this week is, of course, our resident pilot of all things Plainy, Plainy <laughs> McPlain face. Someone said that in the chat room. It's I know. Armando. Hey, guys. Yeah, this is not a green screen. Uh, it's not my perfect choice for a background, for a, a Zoom background. But, yep, on the road... Uh, not home and also recovering from the 400 that was amazing i know we're going to talk about it a little bit more but what just a cool experience to see everybody to meet everybody like nev said it was awesome to meet some uh new faces um man already looking forward to the 500th cool yeah absolutely blimey (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're, we're even talking venues already. That's how that's how much we're, yeah. we're up for the 500th. We really are. Still, it's another two years away yet, so we've, we've all got time to get over the excitement. I, I would imagine one. John has probably worked out to the literally the the day 
when the 500 will be. Oh, oh I, I don't doubt that for a minute. Either mm. that or he's still in a coma recovering from the 400 because there were a yes, few last-minute late nights getting all the, our wonderful new titles, of course, which we launched yes. at the 400. That was, uh, that was quite and, exciting. And a big thanks again to both our guests at the 400. We had uh, uh, Neil Cloughley on there from Faraday. Yes. And we had Peter Collings, who, who gave me this lovely piece of RB211 uh, engine which right. uh, is uh, is is not in my office at all. Right, Gemma. I see. <laughs> right. I um, mean, I mean, I, I, am I supposed to get excited by that? It's essentially what you have is like a part from a broken blade. Is that correct? Well, it, it is, but you know, it's I mean, the RB two eleven. Come on. I still stand by the fact that Carlos is putting an airplane together piece by Absolutely. piece. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's, he's just, you know, smaller pieces than he was now, you know. We, yeah. You know, the window was like, you know, a complete unit. But. Do you know what? Just a, just a quick update before you heading, head into uh, to the beginning of the month kind of things. Um, the For those of you who follow the Bruntingthorpe, I mean, me and Nev were there a few years back at the Bruntingthorpe uh, Cold War Jets. Was it about three or four years ago, Nev? Who were there? It was, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, the Tri-Stars, the L-1011 Tri-Stars that were parked at uh, Bruntingthorpe, the six of them, are all uh, nearly all but gone. They've all oh. been cut up and dismantled. That's awful. And uh, in, it's hot, hideous. The pictures I saw were uh, not great, I must admit. I can imagine. But, um, well, Steve and Ivy in the chat room was just asking if we were going to do the 500th from an L-1011. I guess that answer is that. <laughs> well, we, we could, because there's one left flying, and that is across your end of the uh, world, Armando, with the Orbital Sciences L-1011. Well, I'll reach out to them. We have 100 <laughs> weeks. Thank you. Sorry, 99 weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, absolutely. Nev, it is the first show uh, of the month, and it is an important time of the month because we have to say thank you to some very, very important people indeed. We do, and uh, yes, this month our contributors are Dirk S, Sasha Beer, Stephen Ivey, Nick Codling, Louis Cajares, uh, Andrew van der Sarg, Alan White, Stephen Howland, uh, Tanya Wyman, Megan Carrion, Jacob Darlington-Brown, Nicholas Hewitt, Masha, uh, Owen, Reuben Wells, Neil Landwarn, Graham Haley, Jonathan Warner, uh, Eric Graves, Jordan Rose, Andrew Wilson, Captain Jeff... Adam Spink, Liz Piper, Jeff Ward, Myler, uh, Jenny Parkinson, Evan Shue, Philip Labe, Stuart Backer, Ray Williams and Stephanie Plummer. Thank you to one and all for your fantastic contributions and also to everybody that contributed that little bit extra to help us with some of the costs of the 400th show as well. That was really appreciated mm. and uh, that made uh, things go very smoothly. So thank you very much to all of you. Yeah, and big thanks to everyone who donates through PayPal as well. Um, I've not got the list in front of me here, but we have got some PayPal donators as well. So thank you to all you. Uh, the links to Patreon and PayPal are on the website, uh, plaintalkinguk.com. And uh, don't forget, uh, every now and again, we do slip a little video in there, a little uh, uh, kind of behind-the-scenes video, especially when Armando is uh, flying, of uh, what he's doing, especially for our Patreon and PayPal donators. So it's worth, worth signing up for that, I do believe. So... Guys and girls, are you ready for some commercial news? Yes, we are. Let's go. Okay. Yes, that's all right. It's fine. Just, <laughs> I think we're ready now. Sorry. Is it, everything's all very different to how it was last time we did it. Captain, let's turn on the seatbelt light. Please take your seats and fasten your seatbelts. 
Actually, I have to say, there's a lot of love in the chat room for the uh, new titles that we have. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yes. I'm pleased yes, to hear that. That's yeah. good, yes. <laughs> I quite like I really do like them, actually. Very good. Yeah, Very absolutely. Good. As I say, and uh, obviously, for me personally, like hats have to go off to John for me on that. It's amazing. The little animations and stuff at the end just really sort of polish it's it off. It's really good. Me, but, uh, yeah. but, so, I, I, sorry, Carlos. I know oh, yeah, we just glossed right over that chat room. But there's actually some new names in there. So everybody that we saw at the 500th is already in there because they can't get enough of us and we can't get enough of them. And it's Friday night. What else would we do? Well, there's quite. actually some new names in there, too. Who, so. who, actually, yeah, before before we go, who who the what new names we've got in there uh, this this week? Or oh, Megan is actually in there. Megan Carrion is in there. Never heard of her. Keeping, yeah. an yeah. on, on, keeping an eye on, on things. Puebla, Puebla Champ from Southeast Mexico. Wow. Yep. I had uh, that. There was another new name in there that I saw. Um, yeah, Stuart Aslett is also in there this week. Hello to you, Stuart. Nice to see you in there. Uh, Sturman's in there. And uh, just seeing what Jake Castle. Know. Jake Castle's in there. Jake Castle. Hello to you, Jake. GB's Model Zone. Good to see. Good to see all the family members in there this week. And Mazus as well. Mazus is in the chat room. He yes. was uh, with us at the four hundredth. Great Indeed. to see you. Do you know? Finally, chat with Mazus. I, I I wish I would have gotten to speak with Masus. I felt like it was a wedding, it, it, and I just didn't get a chance to mingle with everybody because there were so many names that, I, that are in the chat room yeah. and that we see week to week. And I didn't even I think I said hello, and that was about it. Yeah, I know. I, we're all a bit like that, weren't we? It was it was yeah. it was really quite intense. Uh, sh- shall we do some commercials? Shall I run it again, or we're just no? We are going to start uh, this week's commercial news. Then, so before we start um, the commercial news this week, we'd just like to acknowledge that some of the news topics might be difficult for some of our listeners to hear in the current climate that we're in. Uh, We will be featuring stories pertaining to the Ukrainian and Russian war this week. Uh, We'll endeavour, as always, as a team to bring you factual information only uh, with regards to the impact to aviation. And uh, this uh, first story then is, uh, this all comes from many sources, uh, Airliner Watch, Reuters.com, uh, and irishtimes.com. So as many of you are aware, the war in Eastern Europe has had a large impact on global aviation, in particular airspace closures over Ukraine and Russia and the halting of overfly rights have made many trips far less economical, viable and sometimes impossible. Lufthansa CEO Carsten Spors said routing flights to bypass Russian airspace will cost the German flag carrier an extra single-digit million euro per month. Uh, Some long-haul aircraft are now up to 15 hours in the air from Germany to reach countries like China, Japan and South Korea. Japanese carriers JAL and ANA cancelled all flights to and from Europe on Thursday this week uh, or rerouted flights on Friday as well, citing safety concerns following the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. Airlines from the European Union and Canada have been banned from Russian airspace in response to the curbs on Russian airlines, but Japan has not made a similar announcement to date. ANA and JAL operate around 60 flights per week through Russian airspace between Tokyo, London and Paris, Frankfurt and Helsinki, according to a spokesperson for flight tracking website FlightRadar24. Though these are not only the only destinations uh, to have been affected. Finnair, which initially cancelled its Tokyo flights after losing access to Russian airspace, said on Wednesday this week it would resume four weekly Helsinki-Tokyo flights with new route and flight time 
time of 13 hours up to up from around nine and a half hours previously. So Anchorage International Airport in Alaska has been gearing up to take on more passenger aircraft if need be. Officials say that some of the airlines have been contacting the airport's ground handlers about the possibility of using Anchorage as a stopover to avoid flying through Russian airspace. Uh, This was a more popular route between Europe, North America and East Asia, while the Soviet and Chinese and Eastern Bloc airspace was highly restricted up until the end of the Cold War in the early 1990s. With three runways, all longer than 10,600 feet at the special ramp facilities and procedures the airport has already set itself up as a critical refueling stop for cargo carriers flying between asia and north america but some carriers continue to fly over russian airspace including united Uh, flights from newark new jersey san francisco to new delhi and mumbai are continuing to fly over russian airspace to reach their destinations they said that we are in frequent communication with the federal government on the issue said united spokeswoman leslie scott the u.s federal aviation administration or the faa banned u.s flights from flying over belarus ukraine and part of western russia on the 24th of february but it's not issued any further restrictions Boeing and Airbus have halted the supply of components to Russian operators. Boeing said it had suspended major operations in Russia, where it also has research and engineering facilities. Uh, Its airlines have a total of 332 Boeing and 304 Airbus jets, or about two-thirds of Russia's fleet's circumfleet database shows. With Western leases looking to repossess their jets that are operated by Russian carriers, the Russian aviation sector is now on a footing that is similar to North Korea and Iran, and similar to where it was under Soviet rule. Uh, wrote Vertical Research Partners analyst Rob Stallard. So some 515 planes in Russia are leased from foreign companies, according to Serum. All EU-based leases have until March the 28th to terminate existing contracts with Russian airlines under EU sanctions. Uh, the leases have begun the process to recover and repossess the aircraft Uh, But industry executives have expressed concern over whether Russian airlines and courts would comply. Dublin-based AeroCap, the world's largest aircraft leasing company, is the most exposed to the impact of the sanctions, with 152 aircraft across Russia and Ukraine valued at almost $2.4 billion dollars or 2.1 billion euros, according to industry figures. So... Armando, thoughts? Well, I mean, it's a monumental event, isn't it? This is, uh, it's affecting so many people in so many different sectors, not just aviation. Um, And then we're also finding out how vast the aviation support, uh, or aviation supporting industries are. And, you know, barring any, uh, direct conflict between uh, Russia and, and, and the rest of the world. You know, one of the stories that we didn't uh, talk about is Sabre, the reservation systems. We were talking about it last night in, in the show planning. You know, such a, a thing, a part of aviation that you wouldn't even think about has a, a massive effect. They can't, Aeroflot or any Russian airlines can't uh, book anybody. They can't sell any tickets 
because a uh, 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 Texas-based reservation system is pulling their support. So, I mean, it, it is certainly the least we can do right now as as a as a partnership of nations um in response is is everything that we're seeing uh, at least in aviation is is crippling everything in 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 russia from an aviation standpoint we didn't even talk about the business aviation side of it many many corporate jets have been grounded many foreign registered corporate jets are unable to fly so you know from an aviation standpoint it's Russia has been sort of brought to its knees or will My, be very soon. Miles high makes actually a really good comment in the chat room. I was just reading that, um, looking at space, um, space exploration and stuff. He says he hopes it does not affect the ISS crew. I suppose that's a good point. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yes. <clears throat> the other thing I was thinking about is, um, just imagine the extra costs that the airlines are going to have to deal with now with these. Uh, they'll have to negotiate new overflying rights for different parts of the world, let alone the, the extra fuel uplift, the fuel burn, possibly refueling, uh, different ground handling facilities, all kinds of things uh, which um, will get factored in and will affect the price of your ticket for, for mm. sure. Um, but I hadn't thought about the ISS, actually. That's a very good point. Yeah, that is. Well, NASA did put out a statement today that said they were ready to um, take on full duties at of the ISS. And yeah, wow. I mean, should that's... should the Russians pull out their support, the the ISS will will stay up and and still be supported by uh, NASA and our commercial space program here in the U.S. That's. Yeah. I mean, that that is a that that is a really potentially really big impact, isn't it? I hadn't really thought of yeah, but this is why we love the chat room, isn't it? Let's be honest. Well, they, they are a few miles above us. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. There they is that. they yeah. can't just hop off and <laughs> come back. Yeah. Now that that being said, you know Neil makes a good point. They're, those astronauts and cosmonauts are professionals. They're up there. Surely it's you know they are. They have been working together, and 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 to be honest, there are. This is one of those points in history where a lot of us that have close connections throughout uh, Asia and, and Russia, I mean, Pip f- was flying regularly, right? Those, those European charter companies fly regularly into Moscow. Surely, you know, people, you have connections there. And at the end of the day, when we've mentioned this, everybody knows this, I'm going to, I'm going to be captain obvious here, but it's, it's the people that are suffering people from Russia, people from Ukraine. Uh, it's, it's the, your, your standard citizens that are the ones suffering in any, anytime there's a, a conflict like this, um, you know, the astronauts that are up in space are, I'm sure I have no doubt that are just making the best of the situation. Um, like so many, so many people are, I've got, you know, we were talking about friends that are, uh, both Russian and Ukrainian and everybody's reaching out to make sure that everybody's okay. Um, you know, it's, it's just a shame when, when governments um, get into spats that, mm-hmm. that it's always the people that suffer. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the next story. And uh, this is quite exciting news. I think for anyone who travels uh, on 
commercial airliners and hates wearing a mask because i know we have lots of stories on the show where there's fights breaking out with people who don't want to wear masks <laughs> but uh, matt you've got a story that concerns a certain uk uh, carrier yeah absolutely and uh, yeah sort of I, I guess whatever your personal opinions are, are on this this is uh, big news here for the uk i suppose uh, jet 2 becomes the first airline to officially scrap face masks on flights jet 2 has become the first uk airline to scrap the requirement to wear masks on its planes the budget air uh, carrier relaxed its rules on the 1st of march telling passengers they can now fly, fly barefaced for the duration of its flights after the uk lifted all covid-19 protection measures last month the airline did however warn travelers that wearing masks is still mandatory in many airports across the world and recommended that travelers continue to carry them in case they're needed upon arrival at their destination because of this the airline has also asked passengers to wear their masks for takeoffs and landings in foreign countries this is because while a plane is governed by the laws of its registered nation during a flight it becomes subject to local jurisdiction as soon as it touches down it's no longer a legal requirement to wear a face mask at our airports or on board our planes jet 2 said in a statement on its website however as per uk government guidance we recommend that you continue to wear a face mask in these spaces and you will need to wear one when you get to your overseas destination the guidance does not however apply to flights to and from scotland where mask wearing is still compulsory in airports this is the case even if you're fully vaccinated at the state statement said now nev you are doing lots of flying and stuff obviously over the last few weeks and that what's your kind of take on because obviously jet two are not going to be the first airline or they are the first but they're not going to be the last airline i should say to uh, to probably scrap this what what do you think yeah i mean i would prefer to continue to wear a mask actually on planes especially uh, i did an sas flight from uh, gothenburg to stockholm a couple of months ago on a um, crj and that's just two and two uh, configuration and we we're all very much jammed in there it's not the biggest of aircraft and at the time the the rules in sweden said that you didn't have to wear a mask so they didn't and i think i was the only person that chose to wear a mask um i think i would still be more comfortable wearing one at the moment certainly mm. um but let's see how it goes as the weather improves in the sort of the the western hemisphere and what have you or northern hemisphere rather um it's things are going to get a bit better i think but um i'm not overly concerned about it i have to say but i think it's good that um at least one airline has uh, taken the decision to uh, to do that. Hmm. Armando. Oh yeah. Trying to find that mute button. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. I. I. Um, Obviously, in the US, yeah. things are slightly different. But um, gosh, but this is another one of those things, right? We said from the beginning of the pandemic that the air inside aircraft are it's actually one of the safest place to be right like there had been no documented documented being the keyword uh transmissions of covid from specifically from from aircraft surely statistically there have been hard to trace so um yeah i'm glad jet 2 is doing it i'm with nev i think i'm gonna go ahead and uh, keep mine on every time I travel commercially for the time being. Because um, <laughs> it is. I mean, 
It, you would, you almost wouldn't like if I was in the, in the subway, I probably would still be wearing a mask despite all of our, you know, vaccinations and stuff. That's, they're just crowded environments that, you know, I don't know, <laughs> but, it, but if you leave it to, again, it's this, this trend of leaving it to personal responsibility. I love that. I love the way the UK government has, <laughs> has uh, said it, you know, Nev, you've upset Stephen Ivey. <laughs> well, he's okay because he's at the front, isn't he? Well, that's true. That's true. Very good point. Yeah, absolutely. Over yeah, his yeah. shoulder somewhere. You know. Yeah, hey, indeed. So that that's a a really good point. From from the beginning of the pandemic, as soon as that cockpit door closed, man, those masks were getting ripped off. Mm. Like, I, I don't know if I'm giving up an industry secret right now. Stephen Ivey can can chime in here, but <laughs> I know it is. You cannot hear through a, a headset, a microphone. If you have a mask on, it's it has to be close to your lips anyways. There's I mean, most pilots would look at the other pilot and say, Hey, are you good? And are you good? Okay. We're both good. Right. And those masks would <laughs> would come off. Um so up front, we weren't wearing masks. Unless I did fly at the beginning of the pandemic, I did fly with some older pilots. They were retired from part one twenty one. They were flying on part one thirty five, which is what I what I was flying. Uh, through the bulk of the pandemic, and uh, some of those guys were were obviously, you know, older, immunocompromised, and and we would respect their wishes. If if there was somebody that wanted to wear masks, then then everybody generally agreed to to do so. But yeah, most of the time they came right <laughs> off. Indeed. Uh, uh, eagle-eyed viewers in the chat room will notice also that we also have some new graphics for our, uh, our post-400 shows. I did show. notice that, yeah. And we've got, some, yeah, we've got some new title cards and things for the messages in the chat room. So keep them, uh, like keep them coming in and we'll pop them up as, as quickly as we can. So moving on, Nev, you've got a next story. And it's all about that blooming beat, that meltdown that BA had uh, <laughs> oh, no. yeah, last week. Uh, it's on the dailymail.co.uk. Oh, where, where, where one should always go for one's aviation news. all my news. aviation news. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. British Airways has been questioned by the industry regulator over its latest IT meltdown, which left thousands of holidaymakers in the lurch. The CAA has sought clarity from the flagship carrier amid concerns about whether consumer rules were breached. The regulator is understood to be concerned about whether travellers who suffered cancellations were offered the full array of alternative flights that they were entitled to. Airlines are legally obliged to arrange alternative flights to get travellers to their destination on the right day, even if it means booking customers a fresh seat with a rival carrier. Yesterday, the Mail revealed how BA cancels or delayed more than 500 flights over the weekend after suffering its biggest IT meltdown for years. It scrapped 65 flights on Sunday, with a further more than 200 were delayed. This was on top of the 187 cancellations and 151 delays on Saturday. Uh, there were also dozens more cancellations and, and delays earlier in the week. Passengers complained of being stranded abroad, having uh, breaks cancelled at the 11th hour and their luggage lost or waiting hours to receive it. BA has repeatedly denied being the victim of a cyber attack, uh, attack but has not revealed the cause of its IT failure. Uh, a BA spokesman said, we always meet our obligations under the law. Where a customer's flight is cancelled, we always offer options, including a full refund or to rebook onto another service. There is no evidence to suggest it was a cyber attack. It took some time for all the systems to fully recover, and this meant we regrettably had to cancel short 
short-haul flights from Heathrow on Sunday morning and suffered from some further disruption later that day and on a small number of flights on Sunday after some crews and aircraft were out of position. Uh, CAA spokesman said we expect airlines to proactively provide passengers with information about their rights when flights are cancelled. Well, I've never had any problem, um, <laughs> but that's just me. Um of I mean, course, what we've got to re- remember is that week before we had the big storm Eunice going on. So we had aircraft out of position and late and crews out of position and late as well at that point. It's not the first time BA have had this IT business. Um, I'm not an IT expert, but I think someone needs to do a sort of root and branch review of the whole thing because this is happening a bit too regularly that, and of course BA's schedule is quite tight yeah so if anything goes wrong it has this massive knock-on effect as it would do to any big carrier in any country i would say that that's the thing for me as well nev to be honest with you that that's my concern it's the frequency that they're having these meltdowns and i know from conversations that i've been lucky enough to have with people who've worked in their call center uh i mean one of the things that they've said and i don't think i'm speaking out of turn by saying this uh they're they're you know if you want to change a ticket it's the the systems are very disjointed um and i think it's one of those isn't it where um the technology has moved on or whatever but the you know the backbone of the system hasn't necessarily change so you know to change a ticket it involved four different systems you know and they i mean they were very famously if i remember correctly one of the first to sort of move to a digital form of doing it but i don't think it's updated much since um and i worry that that's that's now harming their their business frankly because uh, i mean we know from the four i mean the other thing is that i'm i'm because I'm a gentleman of a certain age, I, I um, it's inconvenient, obviously, but you should see some of the forums that just light up, oh, especially yeah. some of the BA ones, and they go completely ballistic, and in some cases completely unfairly as well. And I'm not yeah. saying it's a perfect system, far no. from it, but um, it, it certainly brings the airline a lot of bad publicity, unfortunately. Absolutely, yeah, which we, we, do without. we definitely don't I mean, need. Matt, Matt you, deal, you deal with the customer service side of things for your, for your daily job. Yes. You, you're kind of looking after customers. For me as a customer, when it, and I've cancelled a few times with airlines mm. in, the, over the, in the past, I much prefer dealing with someone, I know it sounds weird, but I, I, I prefer to deal with someone over the phone, to talk to someone, you know, with a voice rather than I, through I, the, the keyboard. I, in the main, I completely agree with you. Um, I do think, um, especially given what's been going on lately, of course, as you say, I mean, cancellations have been taking place left, right and centre because of, you know, COVID and things like that. So, you know, essentially for two years, we could almost do hardly any flights can we? because of the, so many restrictions. And, you know, it was for, for Mr. Joe Bloggs flying to uh, somewhere on holiday was just so prohibitively expensive because of various um, tests and things that you needed to have. Um uh, I agree with you because I think actually sometimes you can get a lot more done in a shorter period of time talking to someone over the phone. But the harsh reality of customer service is a human answering the telephone is incredibly expensive. Mm. And that's the re- that's the harsh reality. So if you can invest in a decent IT system where the customer can change their own flight details very simply with a system that's all joined up would be probably more cost effective as far as the airline is concerned as long as it's done 
properly. I mean, I, I mean, Nev, obviously you've got a lot of experience with BA as an example, of course, and you've had to probably cancel more flights than us because of various yeah. res- restrictions and things that have been going on. I mean, would, uh, what, I mean, what camp do you, do you sit in? Would you? I mean, I, I find it very straightforward, especially now that they've been able to issue flight vouchers. Yeah. And in fact, just today I booked my Barcelona flight for May, uh, which had been postponed from uh, February for a work trip. Um, and that was very easy. They gave me a voucher. I just put in the, the code yeah. and I it, it took the price off the ticket for me. I think the problem is is that um, the BA call centres have been absolutely overwhelmed and yes. the waiting times have been horrific. Yeah. Um, once you get through, in my experience, the, uh, the BA call centres are, are some of the best I've ever dealt with in terms of solving problems or looking yeah. for creative solutions, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, of course, you've got to get through in the first place and, and there are stories of people waiting hours and of course it doesn't take much for a little glitch somewhere along the line and then you've been on hold for 45 minutes and through no fault of bas i have to stress you all it takes is a glitch on the network and and the call is dropped you know and you've you've wasted 45 minutes so yeah i mean as i say i mean the company i work for um they've opted to invest heavily in people like us who are answering the phone so that um people only have to wait one or two minutes uh to have their their order you know to to sort of like talk to somebody about a problem that they've got with their order or a, a delivery or, or or whatever um so while yes so i'm completely with you carlos i think really you know one, talking to a human can often be a lot faster in the long run and quite often a bit more uh, personal yeah well and i will i you know that is very much that you know the company that i work for that's very much their policy is that actually um you know don't send 15 emails backwards and forwards just pick up the phone and have a, a conversation with someone you know so uh and I, and I agree with what nev said a minute ago when mm. i when i had to cancel my america flights a few years back with ba fan, mm. fan fantastic phone service yeah great yeah, absolutely. great really good really yeah, good indeed yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna straddle the barbed wire fence on this one Ooh, <laughs> danger <laughs> everyone danger <laughs> oh, no. uh, must, be, must be about american airlines oh dear it is about American. Hey. Oh. <laughs> now, I, I, so I appreciate having the option because some days, especially when your flight's delayed, you're trying to miss a uh, catch the next connection. The the way they do the app is is pretty pretty crafty, and it allows you to pick your your new flights and your new reservations. Um, American Airlines app is is I, I think pretty good, um, and for eighty five percent of my abnormals uh travels the app is is a great way to do that however um and i'm i never i don't know if ba has this but american airlines has a separate number for their elite members so that when you call that number very rarely do i wait more than five minutes um and that's a lot of times the number that i'll call if 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 I just am doing something so weird, you know, like a multi-city trip or something that I'll, I'll call that number and then I want to talk to a human. But for 85% of, of my travel, I love the the apps. And, you know, Delta's is actually pretty good, too. Southwest is pretty good. Um, all the all the majors here have invested quite a bit in their mm. in their apps and their IT. 
and I guess the the, the, um, the BA uh, Gold Line, as it's called, uh, which you can phone, uh, is very good normally. But recently, it's been forty five minutes to one hour just to get mm. through. Uh, but previously, um, it's been very easy. It's, as you say, it's been five minutes or so. But uh, think things have been quite difficult. But once you got through, yeah, uh, the process is very uh, pleasant and yeah, easy. After. Indeed. So let, let's hope they can get to the bottom of of what this is. I I, I actually kind of believe them. I don't think that this is a cyber attack because I think it would have taken them longer to get their systems back online if I'm honest with you so I, I do I do genuinely think this was just unfortunately another server failure <laughs> slash outage who was it was it good old spectrum letting down no was, was it Nick or was it Jeff that spilled the beer on the laptop <laughs> oh now there's a change that was Jeff that was uh <laughs> Was it Jeff? It was Jeff. <laughs> Probably. Sure was Jeff. I don't take credit for it. Somebody in the chat room said it. But like, Yeah. Oh, now, dear. Armando, you've got the next story, and we're talking about the fantastic PC-12. Oh, I thought you would have a, a, a little special place in your heart for this story, Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> Not that he's uh, obsessed anymore or anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, still you, still you, looking you know, for that model. A, a guy who was you know, already obsessed with the TriStar L1011, essentially what you've done here with your little trip to the States <laughs> is you've given the guy another obsession, Armando. <laughs> and frankly, I don't think your wife will thank him for it. His wife well, will thank you for it. <laughs> uh, my wife is, is indifferent towards Carlos's yeah. <laughs> obsessions. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> actually, she's in the chat room. So, yeah, um, and actually, these obsessions between a PC12 and a, and a TriStar, this makes you the guy that walks down the street with a Great Dane and a Chihuahua. So, right. <laughs> uh, right. So this, so this next story from FlyingMagazine.com: Tradewind Aviation orders twenty PC12 NGXs. Ooh. Those are, uh, you know, the newest version of the Pilatus. PC-12. Uh, they're going to begin delivering these aircraft in the third quarter of this year and continue the deliveries for the next five years. So Tradewind Aviation is an on-demand private charter and scheduled shuttle operator. They announced this uh, on Tuesday that they had signed an order for 20 new uh, NGXs from Pilatus Business Aircraft. Now, this deal will expand Tradewind's fleet up to 38 PC-12s. Uh, with the uh, deliveries beginning the third quarter of this year, the remaining orders are scheduled to deliver at the rate of uh, three to four NGXs per year for the next five years. Um, they put out Eric Zipkin, who is the co-founder and the president of Tradewind. He said uh, in a statement, we are excited to grow our fleet of Pilatus PC-12 NGX turboprops and further our partnership with a well-respected industry leader. The latest Pilatus enhancements will, will benefit our crew and clientele. We look forward to continuing to deliver excellent service to our clients and Tradewind's constant growth over the coming years. So who is Tradewind? Tradewind actually is a uh, smaller operator. Well, not so, not so much a smaller operator if they're 38 aircraft, but they're predominantly in North America and the Caribbean. Uh, they have a robust presence in the northeast of the United States, kind of up where Cape Air tends to fly. Uh, these new deliveries are going to make this company one of the largest Pilatus aircraft operators in the world leaving only plain sense, uh, which is a fractional and charter operator also in the Northeast. They're based in New Hampshire. Uh, plain sense is the only operator that has a bigger fleet than Tradewind now. Uh, PC 12, obviously best-selling aircraft, turboprop pressurized cabin. I call it a big airplane in a little airplane body. Um, the NGX specifically is the, it was an, it's an next generation aircraft. It looks like any other business jet out there. 
for a turboprop, it has you know full glass cockpit. It's even got a FADEC and auto throttles, um, which is just amazing for a turboprop. This deal, uh, the terms of the deal were not announced, but according to Pilatus, their website, the base price of an, an NGX in 2021 was $4.48 million. <laughs> yeah. Now, that's typically in a executive six-seat configuration. I'm not entirely sure about this, but I think Tradewind operates it in the commuter configuration, which is a nine-seat standard seat uh, configuration. It's uh, They're not as comfortable as the executive configuration, but don't quote me on that um, because when I flew at uh, Boutique Air, we had an eight-seat configuration. Six seats were executive, basically first-class seats with two standard seats in the back. My joke was always, hey, everybody in the back is on in coach, middle row, you're in business class, and then everybody in the front two rows, you're in first class with the tables and all that stuff. Um, but there you go. Uh, look up Tradewind. They're a cool operator, and they fly into one of the world's most infamous aircraft uh, airports, which is St. Bart. So there's some really, really cool videos of Tradewind PC-12s going right over that road, right over the hill, uh, hugging the grass not even the trees, just the wheels just barely above the grass, and they put it down onto that short runway. Um, very cool. Go to YouTube and check out PC-12 St. Bart's Landings. So, and Megan says she'll keep your secret, Carlos, for a price, by the way, just F1. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. Our ratings keep going up. Yeah. I, I'm literally, I'm, 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 I don't know why, but I'm looking online here at how much it is to buy a, a PC-12. Why? What is wrong with you? Second hand there. I can, I can, get, can get a get 2020 it. version for this one's only seven million dollars. Right. Okay. Uh, 2020. Go for a 2004. You can get it for a million and a half. Okay. All <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Just write a check, shall we? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Miles, I say just out of interest, does PTUK have a discount code for the PC12? Just out of interest. Uh, yeah, we should. should. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you know with all the clout that we have here at PTUK? I right. mean, we are we are amongst the stars of aviation now. I would love to go back to the Pilatus factory now with a microphone and, and oh, yeah. go do a trip. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like, yeah, you definitely need to yeah. do that. Absolutely. So the next yeah. story, uh, we're going to uh, have a drink for this next story. So, oh, are we? Oh, no. Mm. Right, okay. <laughs> ah, lovely. Uh, Hobgoblin, by the way, Ruby Ale. Uh, this uh, story is from theguardian.com. And drunk pilot removed from cockpit of JetBlue flight to Florida. So a JetBlue pilot was removed from the cockpit of a flight and taken into custody by the U.S. after having a blood alcohol level more than four times the federal limit for pilots. The 52-year-old pilot, a man from Orlando, Florida, was first removed from the cockpit after a Transportation Safety Administration agent told authorities Clifton looked impaired while passing through security, reported the Buffalo News. So the pilot had told authorities he had had seven to eight drinks before he got on the plane that was departing from Buffalo, Nagara International Airport to Fort Lauderdale, said Nagara Frontier, TSA spokesman. Niagara, like the false. Sorry, Niagara. Sorry. (laughs) After he was removed to police, thank you, Armando. After he was removed, police performed a breathalyzer test and found that his blood alcohol level was uh, 0.17% or 0.17%. Uh, the Federal Aviation Administration prohibits pilots from drinking within eight hours of a flight or flying with a blood alcohol level more than 
0.04%. The pilot told police he needed to get his gun from the cockpit. This story just gets even better. That was my While favorite being twist detained, in the story. According to reports, the pilot can the pilots can carry firearms on aircraft if certified, but it was not immediately clear if he had an appropriate permit. He was initially taken into police custody and was later released to JetBlue security. The uh, pilot, who has since been removed from his duties by JetBlue, not surprised, <laughs> may 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 face federal charges. Right. Uh, in a statement, JetBlue officials said they were aware of the incident in, and cooperating with law enforcement. Jet, uh, JetBlue also said they were conducting an internal investigation. Uh, they said that we adhere to all Department of Transportation rules and requirements concerning alcohol at all times and have a strict, very strict, zero-tolerance internal alcohol policy, uh, read the statement. I mean, what what could go wrong? Drink and and guns. Uh, there's so much wrong here. <laughs> uh, you know, we do have the federal firearms officers uh, FFA uh, uh, program for pilots. Yeah, like the story said, we don't know yet if if the pilot was enrolled in this program or not. This is. Okay, <laughs> so every pilot has a duty. Every every commercial pilot has a duty to determine if they're fit to fly or not. Uh, if you're to the point where you are drinking, uh, the moment you begin drinking as a pilot, especially if you're not in your home base, you you know it is in the back of your mind when you have to go to work next. Uh, FFDO, thank you, F, uh, Fer- Federal Firearms, Federal Flight Deck Officer, something like that. Thanks, Stephen Ivy. Um, yeah, so the moment you start drinking, and, and it's perfectly normal to go out on an overnight and drink, have a beer, have two beers. You know the timelines, right? Pro tip from Uncle Nev, know, know your time limits. Um, <laughs> but when you get to the point where you're uh, incapacitated, inebriated, um, under the influence, and you still put on that uniform, that at that point becomes, uh, it's probably not the first time that that's happened. Um, and Nick did a great series about pilots and stress and mental health and recovering from um, basically substance abuse problems. It can be done. Uh, it makes me wonder if this pilot had done this before and nobody had reported him. This is generally a, an interview question. It's, it's a pretty generic interview question. When you're going to an airline or an operator, what would you do if if your co-pilot um, shows up smelling of alcohol? I'm glad this individual was caught. That's a pretty high blood alcohol content. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is also a massive generalization, I realize, so I'm almost apologizing in advance, but he was 52, he is 52 years old. If he was 25 years old, um, you might say that he would be far less likely to have got himself into that situation. There's certainly a culture in the people that are in the sort of 
40 to 60 age group um, who sometimes think that they're invincible because they've always done it. And that's what certainly we've seen on the UK roads from time to time when yeah. people get stopped for uh, drink driving. It's, they're normally in that sort of um, age range. And the other thing I was just thinking about is that bearing in mind that the cost of pilot training and, and all the exams you have to go through, all the certification stuff... Is it really worth it? I mean, it, it's just, it's career-ending, isn't it? No, no two ways about mm, it. Not good. Interestingly, yeah, uh, go on, sorry. No, go ahead, Matt. Uh, no, I was just going to, uh, uh, Captain Cruz's comment in the chat room, I'm sure if people started to check every pilot uh, prior to duty, uh, they would find uh, a dozen or more who had the 0.04 blood alcohol. I mean, is that, I mean, does does that ring true in, in do you think? I don't. I don't know exact numbers, but it is. It is true. Uh, it as in, it it's, happens far more frequently than than it really should. There's a cultural problem, but but you know, I don't know. I'm not going to come down with a hammer on this one because because it's usually indicative of other problems. You know, yeah. you know from day one yeah. in this career field that there are a number of things that are career ending and. If you're if you're of that, if you're 52 years old and you've been flying for a while, you've made it to JetBlue. That means it's not your first rodeo. You've been around for a while here in the U.S. That that uh, that there is there is something else going on usually yeah. um, with this. Now, there's flat out negligence, right? We had it in the military too. Sometimes you have a lapse of judgment. You start going down a road that you can't go back. You, and you feel like you can't self-identify, there are union protections for, for self-identifying. If you, if you call in and say, I am intoxicated, I cannot show up to work, I am self-identifying, the union will protect you. Right. But when you, when you show up and you say, I got to get my gun out of the cockpit and I'm drunk, <laughs> <laughs> You're off the reservation. You're already done, yeah. Oh, no, that's fair. Uh, okay, I'm going to throw a little curveball in, in into this, actually. Uh, this is coming from Neil Lamorne in the chat room. Obviously, it's completely wrong to turn up with any amount of alcohol on board, but genu- I, don't think, I think this is a genuine question, but have there been any actual simulator studies on how pilots are impaired in various He's, situations Neil's given like me an this? idea for this weekend. Oh, has he? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I think you should document it, Carlos. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I, did, you know, I mean, just it's 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 a thing. I mean, you know, I, I I'm I'm mentioning it really. I mean, obviously, Nev, uh, quite rightly there mentioned that you know, again, it's the it's the old guard, if you like. And I mean, I I grew up in a very small village, and I'll be honest with you, there were times, not by me, I have to say, but like people would leave the the Denton Bar on a on a Friday night, you know, um, perhaps with more in their system, they would because they knew there weren't any coppers around or anything like that. You know, it, it's one of those. It's one of those tricky sort of situations, isn't it, really? And I, you know, is it, is it, you know, if it was something that's always been happening, you know, it's not right, but is it wrong? I, I don't know. It's such a, it's such a, such a tricky one, isn't it? Um, yeah. Speaking of simulators, here's a real world scenario. Uh, I was just perusing through the aviation career mentorship group on Facebook and somebody put that they failed their simulator training and uh, their uh, maneuvers verification or val- validation at a regional airline. They had just gotten hired there, but they were also aware that their sim partner had shown up intoxicated to the, to the 
to this progress check. Wow. At okay. the time, at the time, this individual did not say anything uh, because, like the rest of us, we're all afraid of ruining somebody's career over this. Who ended up paying the price was the individual getting checked, and they failed their 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 maneuvers validation because they didn't have a, a good co-pilot there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's happens and, and people know it. And it's, a as a CRM instructor, we always talked about this scenario. It's easy to sit in a classroom, to sit in ground school and say, I would say something, but when, when it, no kidding comes down to it, man, it is hard. It is hard to say something. It is hard to, to potentially get somebody in trouble for a career-ending yeah, offense. Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, what's what's interesting here, and uh, Shorty has done a fantastic job. Uh, great to have you back, by the way, Shorty Cosgrove. And I yeah. see uh, Cheryl's Cheryl in the chat. Well. Yeah, great to have Hello, you both Cheryl. back. Thank you for, for joining us. But uh, Shorty's saying a, a great point here. And, I mean, I think I've spoken about this before, and then we must move on, obviously. Um, but he's saying, well, Matt, you drove a coach. Would you drive uh, Would you drive on a blood alcohol content like that? And uh, I, I think I've said on this, this show before, like, if I'm – if I've been working on a Friday and I'm not working again till Monday, I would often, uh, if I was going to have a drink, it would be the Friday night. I wouldn't have a drink, drink to on the Saturday or the Sunday because I was, I would be so nervous about getting it wrong. Trust me. He's, he's, uh, yeah. he's right. And he I, wouldn't do it. I know. No, what absolutely like. not. It, you know, it's, uh, so, uh, I've, I've sort of answered my own point there really. Haven't I shorty? Thank you for that. Yeah. It, it shouldn't be any different. Should it? Um, it's, uh, uh, uh good news, uh, for you though. Uh, um, Carlos, uh, Stephen Ivy has done the test for you saying, <laughs> uh, having played the new Microsoft, fight sim on xbox uh, after a few drinks i can tell you the outcome usually don't end well so there you go uh, sa- saved you a saved you a practice <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a, i'll give it a go on the pc sim oh, okay all right yeah you yeah, well, mind you, you you but with all your various controllers and goodness knows what else which i still don't understand how you got past your wife but anyway uh that this just like uh, it'd be interesting to see you'll have to like you know are, are you go are you working tomorrow evening <laughs> I'm off out actually tomorrow evening, but oh, are you? Um, okay. I, I intend on on doing a bit, having a bit of uh, sim time, possibly tomorrow afternoon. Oh, okay. So. Um, yeah. But we better move on to the next story because yes. Matt. Yes. Everyone on the show knows that you have an Alfie, and for those of you who don't know who Alfie is, Alfie is yes. Matt's uh, uh, his uh, Jack Russell. Yeah. And Matt, it's Crufts 2022. Yeah. I mean, I think. I mean, uh, unless that you could win a prize for the cutest smile. Because my dog does does this unusual thing of smiling. Um, I don't, the chances of him winning anything at Crufts are almost non-existent, frankly. Uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, Crufts 22, uh, 2022 Birmingham Airport rules for dog owners travelling to the NEC show. So this is in the BirminghamMail.co.uk. Uh, Crufts will be returning to the NEC Birmingham this year after being forced to cancel its 2021 show uh, for the four-day event, which in 2020 attracted more than 100. 150,000 people uh, and over 27,000 dogs boasts a diverse program of dog competitions in different categories and levels, including the grand finale uh, to crown best in show. And with the NEC right next to Birmingham Airport, you can be imagining or expecting to see a procession of pooches making their way from the airport. 
transport car parks to the show. But there are strict rules for entering the UK with animals, and that means Birmingham Airport is not the main option in most cases. The Kennel Club, which organises Crufts, says Cruft exhibitors must ensure that their dogs fully comply with the entry rules before bringing dogs into the UK. In the case of dogs being brought from some countries, this will involve a process which can take a number of months to complete prior to travel to the UK and Crufts. It points out that the Birmingham Airport is not a usual legal point of entry into the UK for those travelling with dogs and adds, please ensure you come into the UK via an approved route. Most commercial airlines which which transport pets in the hold come into Heathrow. Uh, Some also fly into Manchester, Gatwick, Edinburgh or Glasgow. Of all the commercial airlines, the government information says only the Greek operator Marathon Airlines SA can bring dogs in via Birmingham Airport. For chartered airlines which transport pets in the carriage, a number of flights come into Birmingham Airport. These include those from 2XL, Broadsword, uh, ACAS, Airways, uh, Air Isle, Air Charter Scotland, Air CM Global Limited, uh, Air Hamburg, Air X Charter and Airgo Private Airline. Uh, Vanessa McAlpine, events executive at the Kennel Club, which organises Crufts, says we're delighted Crufts is returning in 2022, bringing together thousands of dogs and dog lovers and celebrating the unique relationship humans have with their four-legged friends. I must admit, I hadn't given that a thought. I sort of, part of me kind of assumed that uh, Crufts was um, like an all sort of UK based yeah. entry but then I, I, it's such a famous show um, I guess if you can bring your animal over here or you've got to fly him in you've got to fly him in haven't you especially yeah. well but but the quarantine must be an issue yeah and all, all the certification because you have to have a pet passport as well yeah, don't you, you for, do. um, for your pets so. indeed yeah it's quite a, a marathon mission to get uh, your dog into into I any bet. country I think yeah. I bet very interesting. Uh, Nev, uh, moving to uh, one of our local airports with some sort of bad news, really. Yes, this is a bit disappointing, actually. Um, this is about Southend Airport, and it says that London's sixth airport has seen its prospects for recovery dwindle after Wizz Air dropped plans to set up a base there and Ryanair said it would not return in the near future. Wizz Air last year announced a programme of flights to holiday destinations in Spain, Italy and Turkey from Southland Airport in the summer of 2022. But the Hungarian budget airline is now to concentrate on its main UK hub at Luton and a new base at Gatwick. Glyn Jones, who's chief executive of the South Essex Airport, told The Independent, we continue to have an expectation that Wiz will fly from London Southend Airport in the near future, but the airline does not currently have tickets on sale for this summer. Uh, Southend is in regular dialogue with a number of airlines, and the news that EasyJet will resume flights from the beginning of May is very positive, and we hope to make further route announcements in due course. Ryanair, which flew from Southend up until October 2021, has no immediate plans to return. Uh, Michael O'Leary, chief exec of the uh, Europe's uh, biggest budget airline, said that Ryanair had no interest in returning to the South Essex airport, though he did indicate that a return could happen in the next two to three years. 
The schedule analyst Sam Moulton said whilst Southend was able to grow when airports around London were reaching their capacity, COVID has dented these airports' networks and therefore the need for Southend has declined. As London's air capacity grows again, Southend will grow too, but their recovery, uh, race recovery is likely to be slow and the journey long before it reaches its former glory. Southend was once the one of the three busiest airports in the UK, uh, behind only Heathrow and Manchester, but as Gatwick, Luton and Stansted expanded, its limited facilities became moribund. Uh, a decade ago, the only route was to Waterford in Ireland. But an ambitious £100 million expansion aimed to create an efficient and appealing alternative to bigger London airports at a time when pressure on takeoff and landing slots was increasing. In 2019, the airport handled 2.15 million passengers, but in the following year, the numbers slumped by 93% to just 174,000. That's a huge hit, isn't it? So I wonder how they're going to get the, the revenue, uh, whether there's, there's some cargo operations or mm. something out of South End at the moment. But uh, that's a big shame, isn't it? Brilliant. Yeah, having, having flown from South End, it's a really nice airport to fly from. Mm. We flew from there with EasyJet a few years back before they pulled out. And I have to say, Matt, for, a, for to travel... It's actually, I found it a lot easier traveling from here to, um, to South End than I do from traveling from here to uh, London Stansted. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, hopefully there'll be some more airlines. It'd be nice to have some more airlines flying into, um, it'd be nice to have EasyJet back into uh, to South End. But, I, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm a bit like you. I'm, a, I'm, I'm really sort of I'm disappointed. Under, I'm really got disappointed. The, uh, next story, and we're moving across to. Uh, Auntie Liz's neck of the woods. Yeah, to make up for our story from the Daily Mail. This one's from Reuters. And he's on mute. <laughs> nope. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm there. No, you, 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 yeah, carry on. It's it's a problem that Carlos is in because he didn't hear me talk either. So uh, do carry oh. on, Armando. Oh. oh, well, we didn't need Carlos anyways. Oh, no. sorry. That, no, <laughs> yeah. that Zoom is just for some reason just gone funny there. <laughs> Well, you missed my funny joke about your Daily Mail story. Yeah, oh. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You had to be there, though. We can't do it again. What no, I, I meant to say was <laughs> Canada's low-cost carrier, WestJet, is buying rival other Canada's low-cost carrier, Sunwing. Uh, according to a Reuters press release on March 2nd, uh, WestJet is owned by private equity firm 1X corporation. Uh, they said on Wednesday that it's going to buy leisure rival Sunwing Airlines for an undisclosed amount as it looks to tap into a rebound in air travel, as we've been talking about on the show. WestJet said it's always are also looking to buy the booking website Sunwing Vacations as part of this deal, which is expected to close in late 2022, pending regulatory approval. Canada's travel industry and including carriers such as Air Canada, were hit hard during the pandemic, obviously, with earlier restrictions like mandatory quarantine periods dealing uh, a supreme blow to uh, demand and travel. Now, like everybody is talking about, travel is uh, expected to rebound as restrictions relax and travelers have the option to either use a rapid antigen test or a molecular PCR test to meet pre-entry requirements, at least for vaccinated travelers. Uh, ATB financial analyst Chris Murray said that he did not expect the deal would create much new capacity. He sees this as an opportunistic move by WestJet to broaden its exposure to leisure destinations, 
which is one of the earliest markets to recover. The union representing Sunwing flight attendants said it that would that it would fight to defend the jobs of its 800 members in the wake of the deal's announcement. Uh, they said uh, the pandemic has been very tough on our sector and on our airline in particular. We'll be keeping a close eye on this proposal and our sole focus rem- will remain on defending our members' jobs and livelihoods as this process moves forward. So this is an interesting Right. Interesting timing. WestJet has about 100 aircraft. They have 787s, 737s. They have some de Havilland or Bombardiers, uh, some Saab 340s. Um, The airline has been increasingly premium in the last couple of years. Not really a low cost carrier anymore. Sunwing is a Canadian ultra low cost carrier with 25 737s, which is generally operates between warm weather destinations. But where we think uh, WestJet is going with this is that Sunwing isn't just an airline. They're also big, like Tui um, over there, right? And uh, Jet2, they're, they're big in the uh, the package holiday space, right? So all-inclusive type vacations. Um, Canada, a little bit complicated when it comes to aviation. They have, you know, small population, large country, high seasonal demand, Um I think airlines have a hard time succeeding over there, but uh, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of growth in the Canadian aviation sector, especially in the last couple of years, um, especially along uh, low cost carriers. Actually trying to get to the UK in May, I was looking at some of our options from Charlotte and a lot of the cheapest um, options for me. And I was looking specifically on the Kiwi.com, which has really good um, pairings. Uh, the travel was taking me from Charlotte to Toronto and then Toronto to the, to the UK. So I don't know. We're uh, curious to see what happens here. See if uh, Sunwing maintains its own brand. Uh, WestJet already has its own low cost carrier. They have soup. Um, I don't know if we're allowed to say, but we had somebody that was on the women in aviation podcast last year who flew for a, a one of these carriers. Uh, she flew a 737. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting to see if Soup is going to exist alongside Sunwing or vice versa. Um, at least WestJet gets a big, you know, holiday package vacation company out of this. So Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Captain Cruz has just said in the chat room, actually saying, funny you mentioned TUI. Uh, Sunwing leases airplanes from TUI Airlines in Europe as well as from Smartwings in the Czech uh, for winter high season. Yeah, yeah very um yeah, lots of seasonal demand uh, for these ultra low costs, but I've actually never done that. It, I, it sounds like a, a cruise, you know, like you book a cruise and warm weather destination. I've seen these aircraft. You, I think you guys do it uh, very differently o- over here uh, in in Europe. I, I don't know. I we don't really have this kind of thing in in the U.S. At least not you know vacation packages that mm. are airline based. Yeah, and because and uh, the the one thing that surprise still surprises me even to this day. I mean, obviously we're talking about Canada and having like low, you know, like two two low cost airlines being merged into one. And of course, uh, I still find it very strange that there isn't what I call like a Ryanair model, if you like, in the US. Uh, bearing in mind that you guys essentially, have, you know, made aviation like a normal thing. 
I mean, I, I just find that so bizarre that a, a cheap way of doing it didn't, yeah. didn't start in the US. I think uh, I think Sprunteer is going to be the the face of that, right? <laughs> right. When they merge, <laughs> Fair yeah. Enough. Spirit is the closest yeah. thing that we have to yeah. yeah, Spirit and Allegiant, right? Or you know, closest that we have to an EasyJet Ryanair thing. But even them, you know, it's. I think it has to do with just the geography of the United States. It's yeah. so much bigger and there's so much competition between the i mean the low-cost carriers are competing in the same battle space yeah. as the majors and the legacies so exactly well i mean regular listeners to the show will perhaps remember owen who used to appear quite regularly and he and i both uh, we did a couple of trips with ryanair i think we went to toulouse and back for like i think it was something silly like 10 pound each way so it was 20 pound return which was just ridiculous to go to all right i know it was only the south of france and therefore not very far in terms of distance perhaps you you could argue um, but I mean, we did Rome for seventy pounds return. Yeah, I've talked about how when I lived over here, one of my favorite things to do was to on on Wednesday afternoon, me and my best friend Jason would look yeah. up on Ryanair's website. Where can we go now? See, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Be like, all right, what can we do for under twenty pounds? Yeah, and yeah. we'd just go with no logistical arrangements whatsoever. We'd just yeah. get on an airplane just and rock go up and, and find an airport or a, or a Premier Inn or something. You know, something to just it. sort of put your head down. Actually, but, I'm, su- I'm surprised BA didn't try it again, Nev. Because obviously they had uh, was it go? Is it go? Go is what they had uh, yeah. operating out of Stansted, um, and that didn't that did quite well. I'm not sure it did hit the revenue that they really wanted out of it, but uh, mm. no, I don't think we'll see much more low cost. Although they were talking about doing something out of Gatwick as a low cost thing, but um, I'm, I'm not sure we're going to see that because it's all about the revenue, revenue. right now. Because Bums on the last seats. Two years. Yeah. Yeah. So. Moving on to the next story. This is uh, coming to us from AINonline.com, and we're looking at NetJets, who agree uh, who are agreeing to buy and operate 150 Lilium EV tolls. Have we talked about these in the show before? Seem to ring the, ring a bell yeah. that night. Uh, not uh, not with NetJets. I think we're talking about because it's a because it was a, initially a, like a concept aircraft, wasn't yeah. it? That, uh, that I know we've spoken about. But I think this is the first time that it's actually. Um, you know, like being well, owned got, by someone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, true. So NetJets, under a memorandum of understanding, or MOU, uh, fractional aircraft provider NetJets plans to add 150 Lilium EV tolls to its fleet. Uh, Lilium revealed to investors this week that NetJets has secured purchase rights for Lilium's six-passenger model, which could be operational in both the US and Europe. In a February 28th statement to investors, Germany-based Lilium said NetJets would operate the aircraft and might also become a flight operations partner for Lilium's planned service network in Florida and other locations. According to Lilium, NetJets could potentially run Lilium services in the Florida under its existing Part 135 air operator certificate. In November 2020, Lilium announced plans to provide EV toll connections between larger cities in Central and South Florida, built around a network of 30 uh, 30 ports at locations such as the Lake Nona uh, community near Orlando, and Lilium is also aiming to certify its EV toll and start commercial services in 2024. It's not said when it will start flight testing a production 
prototype, but has told investors it will release design data to its supply chain during the second quarter. The company is still flight testing a five-seat technology demonstrator of its ducted fan uh, fixed-wing model. So the manufacturer has also unveiled some cabin concepts for a premium four-passenger version, which Matt's got on the screen there, to be offered as an alternative to the standard six-passenger cabin. The aircraft will be flown by a single pilot, and the manufacturer is now laying plans for larger versions between 10 and 15 seats. So start commercial services in 2024. I mean, I think they're... um, they're going to go do well to do that, and we're in 2022 now. So it's only two years down the road, and they're only kind of flying um, prototype models uh, this year. So hmm. we'll see. This is how the video is on the screen for those of you watching in the world of YouTube. What do you reckon of these, Nev? Do you think they'll catch on? I don't know. I've not really been following uh, eVTOL stuff, but I. I'm trying to work out whether there is any market whatsoever for such a few number of passengers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that, that is the kind of net jet uh, thing, isn't it? Well, because net jets obviously fly most, well, all biz jet kind yeah. of um, stuff, operate small amounts of passengers. But, so. but but is there model? And again, forgive my naivety here. Somebody shoot me down in flames if I'm wrong. But the NetJets model, surely that's more of a like a like a luxury travel thing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So you're you're more likely to be flying NetJets not only because you want to get from A to B faster, but also that actually you want a little bit of you know little first class luxury <laughs> type sort of thing like there. And I you know is as as Nev, Nev says there sort of like I mean is the EV toll going to tick that box? Actually, Captain Cruz is making two quite very good statements in the chat room, actually. He says, firstly, NetJet's smallest aircraft is currently the Embraer Phenom, which seats six to eight passengers. So this will enable them to enter seven other markets. He also says, Captain Cruz says, um, this is kind of a a shot towards Armando, I think. Uh, Captain Cruz, V-22 technology on an air people mover. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't know the, the so NetJets is probably the right place for this to live if it's going to take off. Um, <laughs> See what you did there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, you have AirShare, FlexJet, NetJets, PlaneSense. Those are fractional ownerships um, instead of charters. So that means that a that a member of one of these companies actually owns a share in an aircraft. Um, I don't know the exact numbers. I don't know how small that share is, but by owning a share of that aircraft, it allows it. It's like a being part of a boat club where it, now you have access to all of the boats in the fleet. Uh, yeah. So being a share holder, you now have access to the entire fleet of net jets. It is a premium uh, experience. So if these EV talls, are going to provide the convenience. I'm thinking really the Northeast is where this is going to happen, where if you live in Boston or maybe you live in Providence, Rhode Island, and you need to get to uh, Boston, Logan, you know, I could see somebody essentially owning part of this, of one of these and, and having that 
capability to do that or Teterboro, right? Teterboro is our, our probably our biggest and busiest corporate airport in America. So if you live in Trenton, New Jersey, and you just need to get over to Teterboro without sitting in traffic for an hour, and it's only like 10 miles, um, I, I, mean, could, I could see this having a home there. The rest of the United States? Mm, I don't know. See, uh, now, uh, 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 Al has uh, got a couple of good points, actually, or uh, a couple of people, actually. So Al is saying, like, like a taxi service from the city centres to the airport. And I, I could really mm. see that being, um, you know, sort of like where this where this model would sit uh, Very true. quite well. And again, Captain Cruz has another great point saying, actually, you know, they might even use this for that last mile front door shuttling of executive passengers, including uh, in, avoiding this? congested roads to and from the airport. And actually, that... That really, as as Dirk quite rightly points out here, I mean yeah. that this really does sound uh, more reasonable. You know, it, it's one of yeah, those. Yeah, this isn't would it? be ideal for you. Can you imagine being able to jump in this just outside your your house, straight up to the Heathrow Terminal Five? Heathrow. Yeah, like it. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. yeah. I mean, if you think about corporate travel here in London, uh, it is right Stansted, Luton. I don't know yeah. how much corporate goes into Biggin Hill, um, right? So this is this is getting Nev from his house to Luton. Yeah, oh. uh, and it's I mean, door to door. I don't know. And he never has to see the terminal. He goes from his EV tall straight to his Citation Sovereign. I still don't think he could do it. I, I... <laughs> Oxford certainly, but not Luton. Right. Luton. Okay. Oh dear. Oh dear. I, I I sort of almost came out in hives for you there, Nev. I mean, oh. I, I feel I feel quite unwell all of a sudden. Poor Nev. Poor Nev. <laughs> Anyway, no, let's no. move on before we offend anyone who lives oh, in Luton. Right, yes, of course. Yes. Uh, this uh, <laughs> next one is all for you, Armando, and uh, it's good news for Boeing. Yeah, this one is from simpleflying.com. As you guys know, I have a very special place in my heart for Norwegian. I used to travel Norwegian to come see you guys. I Aww. used to Aww. travel Norwegian to go back and see Megan when I lived here. Uh, so Norwegian adds 10 Boeing 737 MAX 8s to their lease, uh, clawing its way back from the brink. They're, they're writing, not mine. Uh, a new Norwegian is a shadow of its former self uh, from a peak of almost 160 airplanes in 2015. The airline now has a fraction of that fleet size. Notably, all uh, the uh, wide bodies and long-haul flying has been scrapped in favor of new re- uh, renewed focus on where it started, which is its European destinations. Uh, But that doesn't mean that Norwegian doesn't have growth on its mind. Over the past couple of months, Norwegian has announced several leasing deals that will see it entering the summer season with more aircraft at its disposal. And announced this week was a deal for no fewer than 18 aircraft in total. Eight are the preferred workhorse of the airline, which is the 737NG, and 10 of them are 737 MAX 8s. According to uh, Geir Carlson, the CEO of Norwegian, um, they said the addition of these aircraft will help us achieve our target of building a larger, modern, more fuel-efficient fleet. This will, in, in turn, enable us to deliver products and services in a wide network of routes in the Nordics and to European destinations. This has been done via Aircap, which we just talked about a couple of stories ago. They are the largest aircraft lessor in the world. 
Along with the 737 MAX, Norwegian is also leasing eight 737-800s from that same uh, company. This uh, lease deal for this year will give Norwegian a total fleet size of 80 aircraft by the summer of 2023. Um, now, this summer, uh, 737-800s from Norwegian will already be uh, arriving before the peak summer travel season. And along with those other leasing deals already announced by the airline, this uh, will put it from 51 to 70 aircraft by this summer. Now, uh, Norwegian also uh, has also been threatening um, to move over to Airbus. Uh, the airline was badly burned by the issues from the 787 Dreamliner, which is what I used to fly uh, across from, uh, I guess it was Gatwick. Gatwick to Oakland, I think. Um, That, of course, was, you know, the deliveries were delayed and there was this uncontained engine failure that saw the 787s basically out of action um, while they figured that out. So the airline had initially thrown its hat in the ring with uh, Boeing ordering 97 737 MAXs. But then uh, the grounding of, of the MAX left that aircraft high and dry at a very inopportune time with the pandemic. So um, Norwegian actually said that it wanted to go for the uh, A320 LRs, sorry, A321 LRs. But anyway, uh, at the end of the day, Airbus canceled that order with some eye-watering penalties for Norwegian. Um, Airbus kept all the prepayments made relating to that order, and Norwegian still owned uh, Airbus something like $850,000 as a result. So um, not to say that Airbus isn't off the table for Norwegian, but like we said with some of these other carriers, uh, I'm sure they're getting some great prices on 737 Maxes right now. I bet. Yeah. I don't know if they um, realized the uh, uh, joke that they made halfway through that article was saying that the uh, uh, Norwegian had been badly burned by the 787, especially <laughs> regarding the thermal runaway. Ah, yes. That, yes. Uh, oh. <laughs> it was a slight bit of a battery issue, wasn't it? Was there? I don't remember covering that at all every single I'm, week. I'm surprised that they didn't talk about flaking paint in this story with oh. the Airbus. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, yes. can open worms everywhere. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it's uh, one of those airlines that I w- wouldn't mind getting the chance to... A lot of people have got some good stuff to say about Norwegian. Yeah. Neil, yeah. Neil in the yeah. chat room says, yeah. flew Norwegian, whole product was great. I thought it was great. Yeah. It was like a fancy Ryanair. So that brings... That's fancy, weird, right? A fancy it's like pancakes and ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> Quite, indeed. Oh, dear. <laughs> so that, uh, on that bombshell, brings a close to the commercial news segment for this week. Now, Nev, we have uh, got a very special little segment to play out next. So uh, just in case anyone didn't know, what, what, what happened um, at the weekend? Well, it was great, wasn't it? Really enjoyed it. It was our 400th episode, of course. And uh, so many people came there from uh, all over the globe. Um, I think Micah probably came the furthest or actually made the furthest journey. I mean, yeah. not actually, which is why I bought him an atlas so I could <laughs> remind I could him. assist him with yeah. future flight planning. Uh, but wasn't it a great uh, 
great. Oh, it so it. was. Uh, it really was. Really, really good. Uh, we're all totally exhausted from it. Yeah. But uh, as with always with these things, uh, it was so worthwhile. Um, it was so great to meet new people as well. Yeah. And, of course, our old friends that we haven't seen for a while. Uh, but uh, anyway, here's just a little snippet of what happened. I have been in tears on and off and tears of joy. It's been absolutely fabulous. Well, Nev, it was a top secret operation, but you know what? Jeff made it all happen, and I have to thank him very profoundly for it. Fair dare. I had never heard of it before, and it was just really interesting to see his whole concept of everything that they're looking at. It was just a wonderful, wonderful presentation. Yeah, it's been really nice. It's been really good to see everyone and finally meet everybody in person. It's been an absolute pleasure to be back amongst like-minded people and actually see them in person again as well. It seems like it's been far too long. It's just amazing, first of all, that things are going back to in person at all. And it's a nice, it's it's like a more enjoyable, softer edge to aviation, which itself can be quite an aggressive, hard-edged, difficult industry. And, and here you've got people here purely for the enjoyment. And I really enjoyed the two guests that we had who spoke so eloquently about the work that they do. So, uh, yeah, it's a great day and it's great food. Well, the guests were excellent, really good, uh, really interesting. Uh, as, a, as an engineer myself, it was really good to understand how the uh, engine inspections are carried out. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And so, yeah, I've had a great time. So thanks, you guys, so much for putting it on. So glad I could be here. Neil was wonderful. His presentation, which how can you not jump for joy? They were very interesting, weren't they? Um, you could have linked the two together the, the boroscope and the um, um, medical examination he was referring to. You can edit that bit out if you like. I mean, wow! What a, what an amazing event was it? I enjoyed it. Do you know? I I, I I enjoyed it so much. I really, really did. And the weather was really good as well, wasn't it? Um, just? Yeah, yeah, we had a really nice sunny day. It was it was a little bit chilly, 
Um, but uh, oh, the we weather had, outside we had, was fine. It was inside weather, the room that yeah. was chilly. Yeah, ironically, it was warmer outside than it was in. But we'll we'll gloss over that and move on. <laughs> but um, I, I I I need to to make a, a point of saying actually, you know, while we are live and on the show here this week. Uh, the huge, massive, massive, massive thanks to both Matt and Nev, because honestly, for those of you guys who didn't see what happened on Friday, Matt and Nev basically put the whole of the audio and visual side of that show together. And so hats off to you two guys, because obviously without that, we wouldn't have had a 400. So well done to uh, Matt and Nev for plugging all the right cables in. Because <laughs> I have to say, having watched the show back on, on the YouTube version on online, the, the, vis- the visuals and the audio were absolutely spot on. So well done. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I'm so glad that we managed to set up on the Friday, though, because actually what it made, uh, for, so I'm sure I'm not speaking out of turn here, Nev, but it was so nice because we all we had to do was just tinker and potter on yes. the Saturday and that was just so civilised I mean a lot of people who who sort of been messaging me privately and stuff were saying you know and when they walked when they walked in on the Saturday morning the first thing virtually everyone said to me how are the stress levels yes. <laughs> it just, and it's just and both me and Nev were like yeah no it's, it's all fine we, mm. we we did have a problem on the Friday didn't we but we got it sorted and that was the beauty about being there when shops were open and yes. and things like that so we were able to <laughs> and, get the problem and peace, Curry's PC World was only five minutes absolutely which is even better yes absolutely it was literally two roundabouts uh, down wasn't it it was absolutely perfect well, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 i would good. like to uh, thank our guest speakers very yes. much as well peter collings and neil cluthley were absolutely superb and uh, everybody that i spoke to said how much they enjoyed uh, their presentations it was, it was a real uh, eye-opener into uh, the work that these folks do brilliant it was yeah absolutely. and i'll and i'll jump in with richard adams here in the chat room um the museum staff they were so great so accommodating so enthusiastic about having us there um, even the sister museum, the bus museum, the, you know, those guys were coming over and checking us out and, uh, we were going over there. It was, I, I wish we would have had more time to explore the museum, yeah. Yeah. um, actually, but the museum staff was just phenomenal. Really Nev has been, you've been working with them for months and months yeah. now and they've been nothing but accommodating. Um, oh, and a shout out to Ross too, right? Oh Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ross from Epsom, who very kindly supplied the wonderful rear projection uh, projector and screen. Uh, really nice job, and he's a private pilot in his own right. Um, yeah. and a listener to the show as well. We should say and, so. Uh, yes, yeah. a very loyal. So we know listener, he'll. So, um, we know. I'll we'll see him uh, next week. Actually, we're doing a show together next week. So oh, oh, brilliant! Oh, brilliant. brilliant! It was guys. Uh, we're, we are uh, tremendously in danger of setting the bar very high. So. Uh, well, yeah, but we, that, that's the that's the goal, though, mate. Every single week, you know, it's like every single time we've done this, and it's like you know, you think, how are we going to top it with the with the five hundredth? And we will. I have no doubt that we will absolutely yeah. nail it. I have to say, the only thing I'm really sad. There's only one thing that I was really really sad about about the whole weekend is you didn't get a bit of cake. Uh, I know. A, I didn't get a bit of cake, uh, and B. I didn't actually get a chance to see any of the museum. The nearest I got to seeing is it was when we all stood outside with that photo and had that photograph taken that is behind you, Carlos. Uh, and that was the only chance that I got to actually see. I was like, I was sort of walked out there and went, oh, there's a Concorde. And that was literally the only thing. And I'm even more sad. I didn't realise there was a bus museum there as well. I feel like I've really missed out now. 
something I'm actually in, interested in. Anyway, uh, yes, well, sorry. Yes. Let's go back at some point. I'll be back in May. Yeah, Matt, you can just meet me down there, and we can. We all four of us can. Actually, just go take go, a tour of the museum. go to the Blumen Museum and enjoy <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Oh. I like the so, sound of that. Sticking with you, Armando, it's time for you to uh, introduce the next part of the show. All right, guys. Uh, Matt, if you're ready, let's hit the button. What's up, buggies? One, three, five, fifty, angels, sixteen, three, four, zero. Okay. Do you know what I love? Every time I play that stinger and the ospreys appear, there's a little smile appear on Armando's face every time that <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I, I just realized that I'm going to have this open competition for anybody that listens to the military uh, segment and, and uh, specifically to, to tell me what it is that they're saying in the audio. Oh. Like decipher what it is that they're saying in that audio. Do you, want, do you want to hear? Do you want to hear a few seconds of it again? Just hear the the, the bit oh, there. Know. We have we have four hundred more episodes. Oh, no, okay, we, all right, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before we before we go just, changing it again, yeah, yeah. You can't just give it to them, Matt. Now no, they okay. have to listen. My apologies. Now that yeah. the gauntlet's been thrown, <laughs> now they have to listen to five hundred two and five. Oh wait, five hundred. What are what are we on? Four hundred. Four hundred two. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, listen, guys. So military segment this week, um, and probably for the next couple weeks. Uh, we cannot ignore the elephant in the room. So there's going to be a lot of Ukraine um, stories. The situation, as you guys can imagine, is very dynamic over there. It's changing quite a bit. Um, also, in the initial stages of something like this, information is sometimes uh, a little bit foggy coming out, right? So um, while we see some things on social media, while we see some stories initially come out, I think my, my general take with the military is we're just going to kind of hold off. Um, until we get some factual information. Um, but as Carlos mentioned at the top of the show, you know, it, it, it's a sensitive topic right now. So um, we're going to press on with it and and we'll stay objective and, you know, just approach it from, from an entertainment standpoint, which is what we're here to do. Um, we know that a lot of people are affected by this uh, situation right now. And, um, you know, it's it's important that they see the aviation podcast community as as a respite from from the what's going on in their mm. in their lives, right? Yeah. Um, so speaking of the situation in Ukraine, um, by all accounts, right now experts are kind of stunned about what's going on. They're stumped at at, at Russia's air forces why they're not, um, I guess, fighting for air superiority. Uh, the Ukrainians have had some unexpected and impressive victories uh, in the air against the Russian forces. They're, they're massively outmatched in terms of numbers and firepower. Uh, but by all accounts, as, as of today, um, lots of uh, Ukraine's air defenses are still operational. Their air force is still flying. Their unmanned vehicles are still flying and doing attacks. Um, so, it's it's really just a, a very perplexing situation over there right now. Uh, as of this show, also, uh, many countries are providing military assistance to Ukraine, including Belgium, Canada, the Czech Republic, France, 
Germany, Greece, uh, Portugal, Romania, Spain, Sweden, Netherlands, uh, the UK and the US, obviously. That assistance ranges from anti-aircraft missiles up to, we thought, uh, dozens of MiG-29s that were going to be donated by some of the European states. Um, it turns out that NATO has put a stop to that for the time being because they 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 uh, are not enforcing a no-fly area and they also don't want those fighters uh, transiting NATO airspace. Uh, so that's a developing story right now. M- many nations are currently in a defensive posture in this region um, with many airfields in Russia or Russian bordering states uh, hosting NATO fighters, bombers, transport aircraft. Um, Obviously, if you just go look at ADSB exchange, you look at some of the um, information that's coming out, the, the air battle picture is, is very dynamic and, of course, it's there's just too many moving parts to it, and it's too dynamic to talk to really just kind of track real time on the podcast. Um, but one story that that has come out already and uh, is important is 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 us honoring the uh, Ukrainian Air Force Colonel Alexander Oksashenko, who was the Ukrainian Air Force Sukhoi Su-27 flanker display pilot. Um, he was the, the display pilot between 2013, 2018. Uh, he came out of retirement uh, to fight for Ukraine and was killed in an air battle. Yeah. President uh, Zelensky posthumously awarded um, the colonel with the, sold, uh, with the title of hero of U- Ukraine. And the command of the Air Force of the Armed Forces of Ukraine announced that on Facebook um, shortly after his, uh, his passing. Uh, according to a local Ukrainian website, um, Colonel Oksashenko died in battle and he was diverting military aircraft at the time. Um, they, there was a post on Facebook that said, uh, he's now a hero of Ukraine, died in an air battle, uh, distracting enemy aircraft. It's a pity that he didn't receive the hero of Ukraine award during his lifetime because he was worth it. He is a hero for me forever. Uh, forever alive. That was from Lana Borisova. Uh, according to a telegram channel uh, from, uh, it's called the operational APU. The Colonel had more than 2000 flight hours, a flawless performance uh, under the most difficult of aerobatics. I think we saw him at Riyadh. Um, yeah, we did. Yeah. I remember it being an incredible, incredible display uh, no matter what side of the fence you sat on. And, and it was just the way he flew that airplane was uh, nothing short of impressive. He was mm. uh, so Riyadh. He did the international um, air fest in the Czech Republic. He was just known worldwide and very well respected in the air show community. Um, he, yeah. So um, uh, just a, a terrible loss, but at the same time, it is, uh, very admirable that he came out of retirement. Um, you know, one of the world's best fighter pilots um, to, to go fight for his country at the time. And uh, I'm sure it won't be the the last uh, of these stories that we're going to hear. So um, blue skies and tailwinds. So moving on to the next story, this one comes to us from the aviationist.com and uh more sad news for the aviation community about uh, this aircraft. So the uh, 
Ukrainian government, the AN-225 Myra, the world's heaviest aircraft, has been destroyed. Now, it was one of those stories that kind of broke at the beginning of the week where people were saying it might still be okay, it, it might be destroyed, but it has been confirmed that the aircraft sadly has been destroyed. UK, uh, Ukrainian Minister of Foreign Affairs of Ukraine has confirmed that uh, the only AN-225, the largest operational cargo aircraft, has been destroyed. Uh, Antonov has yet to confirm this. Uh, there's yet another victim of the conflict underway in Ukraine, the only uh, AN-225, uh, the Myra. NATO reporting name Cossack was designed at the end of the Cold War and his purpose was to carry the Soviet Buran space shuttle and parts of the Energia rocket on its back. It operated as the primary method of transporting the Buran-class orbiters from 1988 to 1991, after remaining unused for some years. It was put back into service by Antonov Airlines, a Ukrainian cargo airline, a division of the Antonov Aviation Company, operating international charter services in the oversized cargo market, with a fleet that included also an AN-124 Ruslan cargoes. Since then, the AN-225 has been used for heavy lift supporting, also international disaster relief operations, transporting huge quantities of emergency supplies, uh, as happened during COVID-19 pandemic. The Antonov AN-225 Myra held multiple records, which included being the heaviest aircraft ever built, the largest wingspan of any aircraft in operational service, and the largest cargo in operational service. Uh, the faith of the gigantic aircraft had already been put under focus in the early stages of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. As we reported and posts on social media claimed the lone operational AN-225 had been damaged during battle uh, for Antonov Airport, also called Hostomol or Hostomel or Gostomel Airport. Uh, then tweets and posts appeared suggesting the aircraft has survived the initial battle. Uh, the only thing was absolute certain about the AN-225 uh, was that nothing is certain, they wrote on the report. However, images coming from the airport on Sunday, the 27th of February, showed the very same hangar used to host the Myra in fire, uh, suggesting the aircraft had been destroyed. Antonov Company Antonov Company update on the website of the AN-225 uh, said that currently the AN-225 have been inspected by experts and they cannot report on the technical condition of the aircraft. Um, but I, I, I mean, I saw some pictures yeah. today on social media, on, on Twitter, which have been posted of the aircraft and it literally shoe just, I think it was the port side wing and the nose cone. I think of yeah. the aircraft. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty definitive this yeah. morning um, that the aircraft had been destroyed. Um, now, somebody in that chat room was asking about rebuilding it. There's no chance that this aircraft will be rebuilt. However, there was a second one that was never finished uh, sitting in the hangar across from it. Uh, we don't know the status of that. That one didn't even have wings on. It had Parts of it were mostly manufactured, but yeah. um, Antonov has uh, obviously the situation there. It's, it was hard enough just to get there to confirm this. So um, I think for them to get into that second hangar and even think about rebuilding or completing the build of the second one is going to be incredibly challenging uh, for at least the next couple of years. Um, 
Now, uh, um, yeah. Mr. Warner, uh, ironically, I think he got. To, I think it was uh, not that long ago, and uh, I want to say it was Fairford, wasn't it? Because it blew all the fences down, didn't it, when it came in? Uh, oh, not yeah, we did that story yeah. on the show, didn't we? We did absolutely. And I, as I say, just just one last time, I did play it while you were while you were reading that. But as I say, this is a, a video that Jonathan Warner very kindly sent me. Obviously, when when we knew that this had happened, I mean, this is just such. I mean, it's just such a beast, isn't it? Yeah, it, and I know it sounds trivial to be sitting here mourning the loss of an aircraft. It was a, a unique, it was an iconic aircraft. Um, this is not to marginalize at all uh, the human factor of this entire conflict, right? But again, we're going to keep it aviation-centered. Yeah. Uh, um, for us av geeks, we you know this was a, a one-of-a-kind aircraft that a few of us got to see in person yeah. firsthand. And, and it's just, um, and it's just a sad story. So. Indeed. And Ev, you've got the next story all about the SU 27. Yeah. This one's on the aviationist.com. Uh, and it says that, uh, the Ukrainian SU 27 that landed at Baku a few days ago with a full load of air to air missiles has returned home completely unharmed, uh, un- un- unarmed, sorry, uh, on, February the 24th, uh, during the opening phases of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the Ukrainian Air Force Su-22 flanker was intercepted by two Romanian Air Force F-16 fighting Falcons in uh, QRA, Quick Reaction Alert, under NATO command after it intruded into the Romanian, uh, Romanian airspace at 6.15 local time. The flanker fully loaded with six medium uh, and extended range air-to-air missiles and four infrared guided missiles was escorted to the Romanian Air Force 95th Air Base in the northeastern Romanian city of Baku where it landed at uh, 07.05 local time. According to the Romanian Air Force, after landing, the Ukrainian military pilot was made available to the Romanian authorities. According to some reports, the aircraft had flown towards Romania after it lost communication with its home base under heavy attack by Russian forces. A video of the aircraft landing in Romania circulated online shortly after the Romanian Air Force made the event public. The flanker, um, bought number 23 Blue eventually returned home on March the 1st, stripped off its load of missiles in accordance with the national and international legislation. Uh, the SU-27 took off from Baku along with uh, two Romanian Air Force MiG-25 Lancer jets that escorted the Ukrainian fighter to the border of the Romanian airspace. Uh, the fighter jet rocked its wings, wings on takeoff to salute the bystanders. It's not clear where the aircraft headed, completely unarmed, uh, as it entered the Ukrainian airspace, a contested airspace which, although not achieving air superiority, Russian aircraft and surface-to-air missiles are operating with some significant results. Certainly, its destination must have been one of the airports that are still safe, although we can't completely rule out uh, it recovered on a forward-dispersed highway landing area. Mm. Yeah, and it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about Ukrainian MiG-29s, um, Operating on, I thought actually it was SU-27s operating out of a, a airfield. There was one that hit that traffic sign that they forgot to take down. Um, <clears throat> um, so looking at this whole situation, uh, you know, it's, it's if I were to put myself in the pilot's shoes, there's contested airspace. Um, if you know that you're up there and you're flying and you don't know where you can return to, um, 
the pilot seemed like uh, they made a decision to go for an unknown space, a known safe space, which was Romanian airspace and a Romanian airbase. Um, and you know what? That that aircraft probably made the right decision. And per international agreements between uh, Romania and Ukraine, they disarmed. They took all the weapons off it, they, but they refueled it. They fed the pilot and they sent they sent him back into battle. Um, so well done to the Romanians for keeping their their cool on this. Well done to the pilot, the Ukrainian pilot, for keeping his cool and making a decision that uh, no doubt was difficult. But at the end of the day, that aircraft and that pilot is still uh, in the fight or back in the fight. Um, so mm. very interesting story. There was some cool Twitter video, uh, the aircraft taking off from the Romanian airbase. And the uh, the MiG twenty ones were flanking it, and it did you know a little wing rock, and and they escorted out of the airspace. Uh, Romanian pilots are very very good, very good at what they do. I, I remember one of my most memorable experiences in Europe was doing aerial intercept training with Romanian MiG twenty ones, and their MiG twenty one is not a it's not a new airplane. Oh, and they're very, very capable in the hands of those Romanian pilots. They gave us a run for our money, <laughs> for sure. Indeed. Um, Amanda, you got the last one. Yeah, speaking of Romania, um, the circumstances, this is from thedrive.com, the circumstances with this incident aren't en- entirely clear. Uh, a Romanian rescue helicopter crashed during a search for a missing MiG-21. They, uh, the... A Romanian Air Force helicopter was uh, IAR-330 Puma. Um, unfortunately, all seven individuals on board um, were killed. Uh, they were heading out on a mission to try and find a MiG-21 Lancer that, uh, as of the this writing and as of this show, the pilot still has not been found. Um, that aircraft went missing while it was flying over the Black Sea. Now, the Romanian Ministry of Defense said that the helicopter came down near Gura Dobroje, um, which is about uh, seven miles from, we never knew how to pronounce it, we just called it MK Air Base, where it had taken off. Uh, an official statement said that the contact with the helicopter was lost after that pilot had reported bad weather and had been instructed to return to base. A second Puma helicopter was expected to head out and look for the MiG-21, but that aircraft was subsequently uh, grounded because of the weather. Still no information on what actually happened to the MiG-21. Um, contact with that with that aircraft was lost shortly after it took off from MK Air Base, uh, which is just uh, outside of Constanta, Romania. Um, that was uh, actually where we flew out of and where we flew with the Romanian MiG-21s. Uh, but that aircraft was on a routine patrol mission um, over the Black Sea. The uh, Romanian government said that it had dispatched teams to Constanta to assist with the ground search for the missing jet. Um, so no information or no solid information. There were some videos that came out of the um, helicopter crash site. Um, there's no indications that any foul play or hostile actions was a factor in any of these aircraft incidents. That seems to be actually a bad weather uh, situation. So like we said, guys, the, the situation in the entire region, very dynamic. Um, we'll continue to monitor this, this uh, report as we can. Um, again, on the show, we'll stick to the facts, maintain an objective viewpoint and, 
uh, you know, we always remember that this show is meant for entertainment. So now with that all being said, uh, we wish for the safest and the best outcome for all the military personnel involved, their families, and of course, all of the civilians caught in the middle of this, uh, this conflict. Is that Matt? Don't know. I'm gonna hear something in the background. Uh, sorry, that was that was that was coming back to you on the talkback. Sorry, we've we've had some uh, audio feedback from a listener, which I was just trying to uh, uh, prepare, right. but I needed to uh, listen right. to it and stuff first. Sorry, sorry for that. We we may have to share share that next week. Yeah, well, thanks uh, thanks for putting that together this week, uh, Armando. So it's uh, it's getting towards the end of uh, the show, but uh, Nev Ooh. social media links. So. Um, where can people find out more about us and also purchase themselves a PTUK shirt? Yes, <laughs> uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, of course. So, uh, social media links for Plain Talking UK. Uh, WhatsApp number plus forty four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. You can email the show podcast at plaintalkinguk.com and our website is www.plaintalkinguk.com you can go to our youtube channel as well and you'll get notifications when we go live just search for plain talking uk there and you can follow our uh, go to our um <clears throat> website use the amazon link as well that's on there if you want to um and you can do your shopping on there and we get paid a small referral fee and you can also become a patreon which a lot of people have done and that's also uh, on our website which you can find there indeed indeed now before we go carlos um jonathan warner who's normally here in the chat room has uh, sent me a video because he's not actually watching like he would normally be uh today he's busy nerding out in the dark at fairford as you might expect because that's what he likes to do more than anything else and uh, he's just sent me a video of a b-52 landing in the dark at fairford here you go well there we go <laughs> hot off the presses hot off the presses Oh, yeah. Certainly looks like aliens. It certainly does. What a noise that is. Sorry, I'm going to have to run that bit. Listen to that noise. I love that noise. You're going to be able to tell me what that is now, aren't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's eight engines. Oh, every I see. T- every, every time it's I look eight. at a, or uh, I see a B-52 flying around, uh, obviously they're not training, doing pattern work right now. Well, they are, quote-unquote, training right now. But I, I always think of that old joke where the instructor pilot pulls an engine and somebody goes, ah, it's the, the dreaded seven engine approach. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, so eight, eight JT8Ds, very well, very well there, Captain Cruise. JT8Ds, the thoroughbred <laughs> of, uh, of a jet engine yes. right there. I'm just going to say that, uh, that uh, uh, Jamie, ha- we have received uh, some feedback from Jamie, um, but I've got to do some, uh, I've, uh, because it's on my device, I have to convert it to put it into the playout system and all that kind of thing. But I promise we, I'll make sure we play it next week. Awesome. Indeed. Thank you for that, Jamie. Uh, look forward to that and uh, next week's show. Uh, so that is all we've got time for for episode four 
zero one four hundred and one wow we got there in the end uh big thanks to everyone in the youtube chat room for joining us this evening great to see everyone in there and some new and some old faces in the uh chat room tonight. not so much so of the old you'll to... upset people oh, oh, well they're, they're uh, regular faces is the word regular faces for, yeah. yeah oh blimey honestly it's the beer it's the hobgoblin it's got to is me. it right yes anyway <laughs> so thanks to everyone on that and also not forgetting as well a big thanks to all our audio downloaders of the show and if you do download the audio version of the show like i've done this week to another aviation podcast i listen to uh, you can uh, give us a little uh, comment a little feedback on the uh, on itunes a uh, little five star review would be lovely because well, we do quite. like a nice review we on, do. The, on yeah. the air uh, so that's it though so from me here in my home studio from nev in his glorious studio over in buckinghamshire from matt in his studio just down the road that way and from Armando in his studio there take care everyone have a great weekend and uh, see you all next week bye everyone bye everyone bye, bye. happy birthday Pip.